0: DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. All right, what's up, podcast? Today I have Elizabeth on. She's a, um, what are you, a pro water skier, but you're also a national champion and All-American.
1: Yeah, that's right. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. This is really cool.
0: For sure. Sorry I stuttered there. That's a mouthful. That's a lot going on. You're pretty awesome.
1: So. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's okay. You got the message across.
0: <laughs> so... Um, I guess let's, let's jump into this. Like, I'm sure doing something like that, I feel like it's probably, a, did you start doing that at a young age?
1: I did. I was okay. three when I learned to ski, yeah.
0: And you're into, um, you're doing the slalom division, which is, Um, if for people who are listening or who may not know, you're basically on one ski.
1: Yeah. So slalom is, is a mono ski sport. So you have one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Um, and I actually used to be a trick skier first. I was a pro trick skier before I was a pro slalom okay. skier, which that's, like, a whole – there's a big story behind that, of course. Okay. <laughs> but um, Solemn Skiing, it's a mono ski event, um, and you basically go back and forth in a course around buoys, and as you complete the course, they shorten the rope, and whoever has the most amount of buoys at the shortest rope length wins.
0: Okay. Got you. Well, that's simple enough. It's
1: well, much easier, know. like <laughs> – It's much easier to explain, like, in a video than it is yeah. verbally.
0: <laughs> For sure. Well, I mean, how did you get into that at a young age? What what age did you start doing that?
1: So my mom was a pro water skier. She was a okay. pro trick skier um, in like the late seventies, early eighties. Um, and her parents were um, national champion water skiers. I don't know that either of them ever really skied pro events. If they did, it was probably like more sporadic. Um, but they met through water skiing. They were um, really accomplished water skiers obviously had my mom brought her up through it. Um, She was a pro water skier. I think 12 is when she kind of made her debut. She did that through 19 and then she retired. So um, growing up, that was just kind of something we did as a family because we lived on a river was we just skied. Um, and knowing what my mom knew about the sport, she knew how to take it to the next level for me and my brother also water skis. Okay. So she kind of knew the ins and outs of the industry well enough, um, just cause that's how it happens. And so, um, she kind of was able to help us get to that next level, either through her own knowledge or putting us with the right coaches and the right people who could fill in those
0: gaps. Okay. Well, I mean, that's interesting because <clears throat> what age say so you would start, you started doing that.
1: So, learned to ski at three. I started competing at eight.
0: Okay. Whoa. Okay. So, you've been doing it quite a while. And how old are you now? I'm
1: 26 now.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, so, like, around here, all I'm familiar with is um, your um, weight board and your tubing. Like, I don't know anything about um, skiing. And um, just the fact that, um, you know, I've seen people in the past on just two water skis, you know, like you would see snow skiing or something. But I've never seen... Or even, I didn't even know there was a professional division that, you know, did a slalom. So that's pretty awesome. And what you can do on it's crazy. You know, I've, I've looked at some footage and I was like, whoa, <laughs> you have to be an athlete to pull that stuff off.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's um, it's definitely, I like to call it organized violence, controlled yeah. <laughs> violence is kind of what my sport is. But yeah, there's, you know, water sports is actually a very broad industry and competitive Toad three event water skiing is very much a niche within all of that so you have wakeboarding you have um wake surfing now um I mean there's just like so many little niches within water sports and three event water skiing has been around a long time you know since the 40s I think is when you know real water skiing was invented but yeah most people don't really know that we can compete and then they don't understand the format in which we compete and then there's this whole pro scene on top of it that's you know kind of obscure right now um still even in the age of social media so yeah it's definitely um a unique sport
0: <laughs> it, i mean so you've traveled pretty much everywhere to do this too right
1: yeah, you know, I, my first international event actually was back in March before um, everything got shut down. Right. I went to an event called Moomba Masters, which is in Melbourne, Australia. Um, and yeah, <laughs> my, you know, up until that point, everything I kind of needed to compete in happened to just be in the U.S. Um, so that was my first international event on foreign soil. And I went by myself because we decided to go so last minute that um, my coach was not available to come with me. My parents were not available to come with me. So it was, you know, if you're going to do a tournament away from home, might as well do it as far away from home as possible
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: and just like get over that. So yeah, I packed up my skis and I went by myself and it was a really great event. It's, it's a really special event because it's in downtown Melbourne and it's on the river so in terms of like water skiing what the normal ski scene looks like it looks completely different we're usually on these beautiful man-made lakes kind of out in the middle of nowhere this is on a river in a downtown it's very urban um there's a lot of elements to the event that can't be controlled because it's not private property and it's not a private body of water so you're completely out of your element so that in itself was really unique, and then I was really happy with how I skied. Um, you know, I made it through every single round. I made it to finals. Um, at an event like that, I was I was super super thrilled. So yeah, that was my my big event of the year. And then um, everything got shut down. You know, well, so a lot of the crosswalks got canceled.
0: Okay, yeah, I was wondering how that would go since being into an outdoor event, and you're really not. I mean, I'd say you're pretty damn social distanced from the boat and anyone else. Um, but, like, so is that starting back up right now, or what's the, you know, as far as competitions?
1: Yeah, so um, there were a few, um, so we have two types of events in water skiing. There are, um, like, record tournaments, and what that means when they say a record tournament is the conditions under which the tournament is held those scores um go on the world ranking list and also if you break like a national or a world record um, they can approve that record because of the conditions under which it was set okay but there's no first second third place there's no prize money it's just a tournament for scores whether you're trying to increase your average on the world rankings or qualify for an event So it's more like a qualifier Um, and then there are pro stops, you know, which there's placement and cash money involved, cash prize. So um, we did get to have some of those just record qualifying tournaments throughout the summer. Um, And that was great. It kind of felt like a little bit of normalcy for us, you know, because I think all water skiers just wanted that. Um, But then we had the first real pro event back um, a couple weeks ago Um, there was Hilltop Pro-Am in Seattle, which I went to, and then there was the Stillwater Team Challenge in Wisconsin, um, the same weekend, actually. So it was kind of split up because, you know, the pros just elected to go to one or the other. Um, so it was kind of, it was two events, but it was kind of half full, if you will. But yeah, we were all just so thrilled that pro skiing is back. (laughs) Yeah. You know, to have a real pro event again. And um, the next one will be Malibu Open, which is in Charleston in two weeks.
0: Gotcha. Well, yeah, so that coming up. gonna be good. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> kind of like
1: celebrating a season.
0: Yeah. I mean, you had a quite a bit of time off. Are you still training throughout COVID and everything?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we had a little bit of trouble because – the two lakes that I ski on mainly in West Palm beach, they are in County parks. Yeah. So uh, when the like county, body, yeah, yeah, I was out of the lake for a while, but my coach found another body of water for us to ski on. And it was, it was a bit of a drive. It was like an hour and a half. Um, But Hey, I'll take, you know, any skiing yeah, over no sure. skiing. and it just, it forces you to get better, you know, when there's adversity. So um, I learned a lot of, home workout modifications. Cause my gym was close to, yeah. um, skied as much as I could because when well, you don't have an event to train for, you can kind of train with like reckless abandon. Yeah. You can try new things <laughs> and fail at it and, you know, experiment and it's all okay. Cause there's nothing coming up that you need to peak for. So in a weird way, if we're going to talk about like silver linings of a pandemic, um, that was really cool was we got to experiment, you know, it was, totally during season and we had our great summer weather and we'd normally be trying to dial things in for an event, but instead we got to play a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's been, it's been interesting because a lot of athletes and a lot of sports have been shut down and um, you've seen some people kind of progress during this time and also some people that don't know how to take the time off. So it's good to hear that you, you've you been staying active throughout that stuff and getting back to normal now. And you were talking about, um, you know, doing your at home workouts and stuff. I have a lot of fitness followers and you know I'm big into the health and fitness. Um. What are you, what would you say are your best um, workouts and stuff that you're doing to, you know, train for your everyday competition?
1: So for me, because water skiing is obviously, um, it's a full body sport, right? Right. There's no, nothing about the body is isolated in water skiing where you you only work this muscle group today and tomorrow you're going to work this other one. So when it comes to what I have found works best for me in the gym is a lot of full body circuits. Um, and a lot of like unconventional movements, um, just because the body is so smart. At least I found personally, once it recognizes like a pattern of movements that I'm going to do, it gets lazy in other areas. Yeah. So I kind of have to keep myself on my toes, you know, um, when I was writing at my workouts. So yeah, a lot of like full body, a lot of functional stuff. Um, you know, I've really found that with skiing, um, because it is high impact it is very intense and then um when I am at work and I'm sitting in a desk my mobility suffers a lot yeah.
0: um
1: so you know and I sit you know I sit in a car I drive to the lake I drive to work so um whatever I'm doing I try to keep it very very functional um so I don't spend like a lot of time like squatting like I don't have this really yeah. impressive like you know, back squat PR or anything
0: yeah. um
1: but, you know, it, that's really what has like worked well for me um, is high intensity, um, lots of rounds and lots of reps of functional movements.
0: You said that your mom was um, – she was a pro as well, you know, when you were coming up. I'm sure she um, – things have changed, I'm sure, quite a lot, like in sports, like to do as far as training and involved. Being, you know, more – you have more possibly, uh, I would say, like – where you could access more lakes and training facilities possibly now Then also doing a lot more fitness focus, like working out, like what does she, what does she say about that versus how she used to prep?
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny because when she was a pro, she was really just a kid. Right. And so, you know, my grandpa was basically her coach that was like her guy and he would say, go do this. And she just go do it. Cause she was just a kid. There yeah. was no explaining the physics of it you know to her and we're going to tweak your ski and dial this in and oh just know that that boat is going to feel like this because it's a 6 2 liter engine with all the conversations I have yeah, on a daily yeah. basis right you know she's just this little like 12 13 year old and like okay go do that go spin that way and she just go do it so I think you know she got really really good because she was so good at executing yeah um really rapidly new tricks and, and learning new skills very quickly and she never really asked why or how she just did it gotcha. um, and so she amassed this incredible skill set really quickly me on the other hand if you were to ask my coach she'll outright tell you I am really hard-headed and that I want to <laughs> know why <laughs> why are we doing this how does it work um, And I think that just has to do with the fact that I'm just older. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're a kid, you kind of ask la- less questions um, or less intelligent questions. Um, so, yeah, I think knowing what I know now, whenever I share it with her, she's like, I didn't know so much went into the sport. Yeah, And it's that because she's not aware, but it's just because she never had to be aware. You know what I mean?
0: You said her your grandpa coached her. So was he also like a water sports guy as well?
1: Yeah, he was a multinational champion. Um, I can't, re- I can't remember what else he did. Um, you know, he was never, like, one to brag or anything. Right. So, But, yeah, he won a lot of national titles. I know he went to a Worlds in Italy. Um, he wasn't very impressed with the pizza. That was <laughs> all he had to say after that. <laughs> Goes all the way to a Worlds in Italy, and that's what he has to say. But, um, yeah that's
0: the grandpa for you well, no, that's awesome though so you i mean you have it running through your blood and you said you and your brother and so you're in third generation at this point but we're, we're talking i asked you that because i always think it's interesting how um you know we evolve moving forward a different generation from generation to generation and you know specific skill sets like we have access to way more information than those of you know other people who you know 20 or 30 years ago had and we're also a little more you know we worry about more things, I guess, because we have so much access.
1: Absolutely.
0: So help study and look at things and say, okay, well, this person across the world is doing this, and I can see this because they have a social media platform they're posting on constantly. So how am I going to beat this person? How do they, you know, I'm not sure your terminology, but how do they hit that wave at a different <laughs> angle than I do, you know, stuff like that.
1: Right, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm really lucky. Like my coach, he has 40 years of experience coaching in this sport. I mean, everything he's just amassed through experience that it can't be taught unless you go through it. Right. I mean, all of us who work with him are so lucky. And that's true for, you know, most pro water skiers today is the coaches that we have. All the events that they've gone to, um, all the wins they've had, all the losses that they've had, everybody they've worked with to get up to this point. I mean, there's just so much of it that you can't, you can't really just like buy it on, you know, off the shelf yeah. and just learn it. It's just from experience. So every generation of water skiers, like a family like mine, we get so much better, not just because there's more resources available to us, but because we have, you know, lifetimes of experience that has been shared with us.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting how that evolves. And You're in Florida now. Where are you originally from?
1: I am from a really small town outside of Chicago called Dixon. So okay. Northern Illinois
0: okay and when did you move to florida
1: so it's, it's kind of a, a long story i uh when i was about eight i want to say um we started spending the summers in florida in pensacola okay. florida um so i would do like the second half of the school year and the summer in florida and then i would actually move home for the winter for the fall part of school and then the winter And we did that on and off for like 11 years, I want to say. So that, and that was before online school. So my teachers would give me all of like my textbooks and my homework and they would say teach yourself for the second half of school, you know, the school (laughs) year. So we were living in Florida. I was like teaching myself, you know, at the kitchen table and then we would ski and then I would get to be home for the fall and like the holidays and everything. So we did that. Um, I don't know how over 11 years, I don't know, right up until I had to go to college. And then um, I went to college first in Orlando, and then Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and then I moved down here full time South Florida after I graduated.
0: Gotcha. Well, I figured the the elements and the environment you're in now is probably better than being from where you're from and being able to train and access the water 24 seven. So
1: yeah, you know, it's kind of amazing that because my mom is, is from the same town that I'm from. She grew up actually in the house next door to the house I grew up in. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> on a river. It's really incredible the career she had, ski training on a river, which is less than ideal, you know, than a man-made ski yeah. lake. Um, and she really, that was where she skied. They would come to Florida to ski periodically, nothing like what they did for me um but it's incredible the career that she had it's incredible that my brother and i got as far as we did in our career skiing in the north um you know obviously we traveled a bit more but yeah florida is much more conducive <laughs> to water skiing
0: yeah you. and so you're also so what you, what industry are you in professionally besides uh, water skiing
1: so i do marketing um, in the beauty industry um, okay. i'm the chief officer for Anushka Spa Salon and Cosmetical Center in downtown West Palm.
0: Nice.
1: Um, Yeah, my parents owned a salon um, basically my entire life. So when you grow up in in an industry, you just, you learn it inside and out. And so I loved marketing, um, but I obviously have a pretty in-depth knowledge of um, the beauty industry, most specifically the salon side, you know, so um, hair care and hair services. And um, it just kind of was like a natural fit for me after college was to stay, you know, in that industry, but focus more on the marketing and advertising side.
0: That's OK. I mean, and you seem like I feel like a lot of uh, women in the sport, possibly maybe more tomboyish, but you don't seem that way. You seem to be a little well-rounded, I'd say.
1: Thank you. You know, I mean, I try. <laughs> I, I love being a woman. Um, and. Yeah totally identify as a woman. I, I know we have to say things like that now.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, I love being a girl, you know, but it's yeah. it's also like a super gritty sport, um, and it's pretty hardcore, and I feel like they it's a good balance getting to do those two things, you know, getting to work in beauty, um, and it's a really, Anushka's a really luxury environment, and it's, you know, right off of Palm Beach Island, and then there's the side of me that goes and skis with all my guys, and, you know, gets dirty at <laughs> the gym, and... It's just good balance.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that's really interesting because you it's the same thing. Like I'm I'm real involved with the uh, MMA sports game, and you know you have these women fighters that are super greedy and that's that's all they are twenty four seven. Then you have you know some more that are more diverse, and they live on both sides of the spectrum. It seems like you know that's something that you do now. You're we talking in marketing. I'm in marketing too. I have a marketing company. We've been um, we dive into more uh, web and social stuff, but it's interesting because. I found you on social media randomly, <laughs> and, um, you know, I I was interested, not only, you're just good at marketing yourself, I would say that, you know, a lot of people aren't, a lot of people don't realize that their hobby or, you know, your profession, you know, can be portrayed one way or the other, or, you know, a lot of people don't even share that, you know, and I think it's awesome that when you do have passions, you're able to share it and actually properly represent yourself, because a lot of people know how to do that, you know. Thank you, yeah, you
1: know, it's taken me a while to really... Figure out how I wanted to tell my story. Like, if we're gonna do some marketing shop talk right now, (laughs) you know, because we have so many, there's so many great water skiers out there right now, and there's a lot of them that have a great social media presence. But is anybody really like monetize their social media? Do they have enough of that presence that like they have, they carry a lot of clout and they could, you know, make a major brand deal? And I feel like nobody's really figured that out yet. And part of it is it's hard to make water ski content because you, you're you the skier. You have to have a boat driver. Yep. There's, you know, the boat. You need to have somebody in the boat. Then you have to have people to make the content, to film it, to edit it, to do the whole thing. So it's it's one of those sports that it takes a lot of effort to make the content. Um, and I think there's a lot of, like, I keep telling Oh, my God, every pro stop I go to, I feel like I tell skiers. I'm like, listen, you, like, I know you and what you're good at. Please start making content. Start doing stuff. And I'm like, no, it's not for me. And I'm like, no, because the more you try and the more I try and the more so-and-so tries, the better our sport gets and the more of a footprint we have, you know, on the social landscape. But um, it takes a little bit. No, it takes a lot of confidence, actually, to put yourself out there on social and to experiment with how you want to tell your story. It's taken me years to figure that out.
0: Yeah, it it always does. And I think, you know, interestingly, like a lot of people like have a problem representing themselves because they don't realize that something so, you know, minute may be actually interesting to other people who have no idea about, you know, your sports per se, but like, no, even from like, oh shit, I can't get my foot in my ski right today and I fall off in the water, you know, that'd be hilarious footage, you know, (laughs) real stuff like that. I feel like creates a way better brand. You know, a lot of people start putting themselves out there and they're trying to represent themselves and they're so worried about ROI and trying to get a brand deal that they're not actually being their 100% self with their audience. And I think that's our biggest hangup because we're, we've been so personified as this has to be perfect. This has to look, you know, look, this certain angle the lighting. Oh my God, my hair didn't look right in the shot, you know, whatever it may be. But I think, you know, as real as you can get, it keeps, it just creates a better connection that you can't lose.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's been so many things about, like, my, like, normal day-to-day life, like, I think it's totally normal, that people have, like, DM me, they find it fascinating, yep. or, you know, they're interested, they want to know more about it, and I'm, like, really, you care about, you know, like, hell, I can't think of anything right now, but, like, what brand of sheets right. I have on my bed, you know, <laughs> like, stupid stuff, and they're, like, oh, well, yeah, you know, and so I think it's, people think that if they aren't interesting enough, dynamic enough, they shouldn't share, and right. it's, like, No, if somebody, you have a following because they fell in love with you, they just want to know, okay, what kind of things do you have around you? What are your influences? You know, what makes you, you? Um, And I think that, that part, that part can be intimidating as some people really underestimate how much value their normal day-to-day life as a pro water skier has, or, you know, a pro anything. Um, And yeah, so they just, you know, don't share. (laughs)
0: I mean, it's, it's our biggest hangup because, you know, we, we, if there's content out there that people can relate to, they seem to connect better. And then they're like, okay, we we'll move forward. This person's not a robot. They're not perfect. They're an everyday person, but you know, they're doing things you they're out there moving and shaking and making things happen. So since you brought that up, what do you think separates you from everyone else and what you're doing?
1: Well, you know, so there's a conversation my coach and I have very, very frequently, and that is about this concept of self-confidence. And, you know, what I've really learned is self-confidence is not real. Because what does it even mean to have confidence in the self? That doesn't make any sense. When you really think about it, am I just going to, okay, I sit here and feel confident? Like, I don't know what that means. Confidence comes when you have competency in the skill sets. And here's why, here's how I back this up. When Tom Brady is dropped back in the pocket and there's big dudes running at him, he's probably pretty confident, right? Like, he's Tom freaking Brady. Well, is he confident in himself or is he confident in his skill set and the decision he's going to make in that half a second? 100%.
0: I agree. Right?
1: Mm -hmm. So, you know, I watch – I'm a young millennial. I think I'm, like, at the end of the cutoff between millennials and Gen Z but I watch a lot of millennials and I don't really know enough about Gen Z quite yet. Cause they're like this, you know, new rambunctious up and coming yeah. <laughs> generation. I'm terrified of them. Honestly, they're so <laughs> reckless. <laughs> well, not only
0: that, they have access, They've had access to technology since they could, you know, read and write. So that's kind of scary. In itself.
1: <laughs> I know. And they just feel like they have nothing to lose. So they're going to like really change the world. It's going to be really cool. I just don't yeah. know what to expect, but I watched a lot of millennials struggle with this idea of, trying to find their self-confidence. They're always looking for it. They buy all the books. They listen to all the podcasts. They go to the seminars. And what I want to say to them is, no, go learn a thing. Pick anything. You know, I'm confident now. I wasn't always confident, that's for sure. But I'm confident now because I've really doubled down on skill sets that are important to me or that I have interest in. And I've identified to myself, these are things you're not good at and you either need to be okay with that, accept it, or you need to work on them and find the right people to help you work on them. But self-confidence is this, I, I don't know, it's this big enigma that everybody's chasing and for the longest time I struggled with it because that I was chasing something that I couldn't even clearly define. Right. But when you pursue a skill set, you kind of, in black and white, you know what you're made of. So I think what makes me different is I'm, I'm very willing to share what I know to be true. I'm also very willing to say, hey, I learned more and I, I was wrong about that thing I said before, you know, my bad, but I know more now than I did yesterday. So here's what I know today. Um, I'm also very willing to highlight the things that I'm not good at. And I think that people, um, they're very attracted to that confidence. Yeah. Like if you're talking about my social media, I think that there are a lot of people who are very put off by that confidence of course as well. Of course,
0: yeah. Especially if you're, woman, you know, you know, I, you know, I, I feel like guys, um, they're usually a lot intimidated by, you know, a woman that's extremely confident in her values because, you know, we went so long without having that access, you know what I mean? Where people weren't, women weren't, you know, looked at to where they didn't have the full capability of a man, which is complete bullshit to me. But, you know, that's kind of how people have been programmed. And you say, I to cut you off before we get past this. You're, you're talking about millennials. So I think I'm at the top of it because I'm a little older. I'm like 31. So um I think it's because we were raised, the way we were raised is there were only certain, you know, certain industries or sections that we looked up to being basically there was like, okay, I'm going to achieve this goal and be this person in my life because that's all we had access to. We could see like, you know, I want to be a dentist or a doctor or a lawyer, you know, and. And as I, this is my take on it. I think the internet gave us, you know, we're in the the like. I remember not even I didn't start texting until I was a senior, which is crazy to talk about. You know, but we didn't have access as far as when Facebook come out. I was in you know high school or middle school maybe, but we didn't have access to so much information that we've taken all this in and we're like, okay, well, we we beat ourselves up thinking that we had to be this one certain thing and didn't realize that we could, like you said, double down on the things we're good at. You know, we just thought how we grew up. So-and-so did this. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to college and be this, or I'm not good enough for college. So I'm going to do this because I know so-and-so that doesn't, they make good money, you know?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I also feel like that whole self-confidence conversation and the way the self-help industry kind of um, the narrative they had going for a while, there really wasn't enough coaching around you're gonna fail a lot, and that's yeah. like totally okay. Like
0: that's another okay. thing. Like <laughs> the, the participation trophies we all got in baseball growing up, you know, from four years old to twelve. Like you need to get your ass kicked to appreciate something. You can't get better unless you get beat. You know, and, and the and you're talking about coaches, coaches like there's so many self-help coaches that literally have no experience, that never been kicked in the teeth, never been punched in the mouth, don't know anything about anything, and they're sitting here advising these people. On Have a positive attitude, be great in life, do all these things, but what happens when you have a shitty day? What happens when um, something doesn't go right? What happens when a client calls you in our industry and says, hey, I no longer can work with you anymore because this reason, you know, what do you do then? If you don't, if you're not used to adversity, you don't know how to take it and it, it freaks you out. Yeah, exactly.
1: I think in a lot of ways I was blessed because like, first of all, I grew up with all boys, so I was yeah. never really coddled. Like, you know,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was what it was. And then I did a sport where it was very clearly for second, third, fourth, fifth onward, there right. was no where to share. Everybody gets to share first place, yeah. you know, and I did win a lot as a kid right off the bat. Um, and, you know, you could say maybe in a way that like took away the specialness of the win. Cause Mm -hmm. I won my very first nationals I ever went to. And I won like the next five after that.
0: How old were you when that happened? I was eight. Okay. Yeah. So I was
1: like, (laughs) I just, I was like, okay, I I just do what we've trained and I win. And this is cool. And it wasn't until some other girls kind of showed up and they got better faster than me than I was year to year. And I got my ass kicked, Mm -hmm. you know, but I was lucky enough to grow up in an environment somehow where i was kind of shielded from the participation trophy concept even though that's very much my age demographic is that concept um but i never really had that and i also never felt a big need to fit in which i think the participation trophy creates a sense of community
0: right
1: you know what i mean and that never really appealed to me i mean i'm actually really fairly introverted um and i like to pursue things kind of like on my own like i'm going to go figure it out and kind of geek out whether it be skiing or something in the gym or something with work you know like a project so um that mentality was never really like beaten into me that you can't fail and you're always winning however the side of me that really enjoys pursuing competence in whatever i'm interested in that side of me has struggled with failure Um, just because I think it's that whole, wow, I've put in so much time and effort and resources and work and I failed like really, I thought I was getting good at this, you know? Um, and so I've definitely gotten a lot of coaching around that from my coach in the past, um, like three years is how to embrace failure. You know, try for the best, um, try to execute your skills to the best of your ability, but there is no learning experience like failing. Uh, and especially failing when you're out of your comfort zone, yeah, like um, two weeks ago at Hilltop in Seattle, it was a good event for me, but I didn't ski as well as I could have, but everything I learned by being at that event and things not going exactly the way I wanted, if he had just told me that knowledge, I wouldn't have believed him, but because I lived through it, um, it's you know one of those, I'll never forget, I'll never forget what I learned in a technical sense from that, that event, but you know, nobody is teaching people how to capitalize on failure.
0: No, that's that's our biggest, you know, basically our biggest struggle right now. And I think that it's always good to compare, like, to sports where it's tangible, where you can see it. You're like, um, or more visual, I'd say, like, to basically, oh, if you can watch someone's journey from where they started, like, maybe, you know, we we're talking about, you know, your sport or, like, college football or something from, you know, high school, to where they weren't so great and they progressed in college and then to NFL whenever they're just amazing now. And you can see that progression. Like I think so much when you're talking about coaching and stuff and moving back into the business world or just an everyday life is, you know, people were able to relate to that better and actually see that the progress there, because it's all visual, you know, where a lot of your normal day everyday people are behind the scenes. So they don't get to, you know, really express the things they go through to where people can relate to it. You know, they just sometimes keep it to themselves. Um, you know, maybe super insecure about, oh, I messed this, ac- this account up or I did something wrong in my relationship and I don't really want to talk about it. So now it's all bottled up inside and you're not able to get past it. You know, and I think that's a, it's really an issue that, you know, we don't talk about enough.
1: Well, and I think that's funny. people really see, I think people see things as more binary than what they are willing to admit. So people think that if I failed, the other alternative would have been that I would have won. And like you and I both know that that's, there's not two choices out of every situation. There's not two outcomes available to you. There's like probably a million, Yeah, you know? And, but I think people really beat themselves up over this didn't go the way I wanted. It should have gone this way. And you really have no way of knowing it would have gone anywhere close to that. No.
0: And, you put, and then also, when you put something on a pedestal that's not even that big of a deal, like I feel like we put the smallest things on a pedestal, or we set a goal. I hate when, and I know some people live by this, and you watching or listening, I'm sorry, but look, I hate setting one goal and saying, when I get to here, this is, I've made it. Fuck that. I'm sorry. But when I get to, like, I'm going to keep adding something. Like, I feel like, okay, I have the momentum going. I'm going to achieve X, you know, whatever thing. I'm going to go ahead and add another one on top of that. It may not be the same... Mo- it may not be the same direction. It may be a totally different industry, a totally different piece of my life, but like continuing to challenge yourself because I, we get so comfortable, especially when you get to the top, you know, the whole struggle for me, even the people who, you know, who do well and have made it seem to get complacent when they reach that, you know, the pinnacle. And then after that, what do you do? You know, it seems like you're, <clears throat> you already seem like that. You're super knowledgeable in your sport. And so say 20 years from now, Whenever your body can't do it anymore, you're probably still going to have something to do with the sport. I can already like tell that because you're so knowledgeable. You know that this um, inboard motor, this CC's or whatever, pulls x amount of miles per hour um, with it. This wake, you know what I mean? Like where most skiers, like you said, may just jump on, you know, jump on a board and go.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, something that I keep trying to tell people is if you don't like how I'm doing my social media, you don't like how I'm skiing, you don't like. You don't like how I'm doing my life. Yeah. Go do it better than me. And I'm not saying that sarcastically. No. Go do it better than me. Because yeah. if you get better, our whole sport, our whole industry gets better. Yeah. And I might learn something by you doing it better. Because if there's anything I admire, it's competence.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I, like I say that with like zero negative energy is if you can go be better than me, by all means, please do. Because I love that. You know, we no, live in a world no. where not enough people are trying to pursue the better version of themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, talk all the shit you want to me about how I do my game, but if you're gonna talk shit, I expect you to go do it better.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, and there's, there's, there's people that, yeah, there's people that don't value that that they don't realize that how much of an influence they have. You know, like that that aren't putting out enough things. You know, like in the same thing in our industry. Like when I got into this industry, I've noticed that to be such you know ahead of the times, so where whether it be marketing, advertising, whatever, that our, our industry is 10 years behind, as far as mentality. Everyone sees someone as a threat. There's enough business and enough relationship, like there's however a million, billion people in this just one country, like there's enough room for everyone to participate and help each other, but instead people want to box themselves in a corner and not share information. I will tell you anything you want to know. You can ask me anything. And I'm going to tell you I've done it. I did it this way. And here was the result. And it may have been great or it may have sucked. But I'm willing to share that because I know I can't get better unless I open my mind up to, you know, get input or give something to people. And I think it's the same, it goes, it goes hand in hand with what you're talking about.
1: I agree. I, I, almost ignorant to not function that way because with how much we have available to us yeah. because of tech, to think that you're going to keep any secrets, you know, or hold anything that close to you yeah. within your industry, you're, you're a fool. Yeah. You know, they'll find it somewhere else. And, and why not for, be involved that, in the yeah,
0: That field? goes for, that goes for water sports. It goes for marketing. It goes for life. You know what I mean? It really does. It goes hand in hand because you, we have access to everything. There's no limitation to what we can do at this point versus 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So, you know, get on and share and don't be that negative person. If not, I mean, you're just gonna you're gonna lose.
1: You know, it's funny that we've made it, you know, to this point in the conversation because <laughs> something happened the other day. It's like the perfect example of you can't box people out if you want yeah. things to get better. Also, you know the conversation about um, women's empowerment, you know, equal rights, and all that. So, <laughs> you know how on Instagram you can like reply to somebody's story. Right. You know how you can send you can send someone's story to someone else privately.
0: Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> so
1: the other night, um, another pro skier and I won't name names because that would be rude. And um, I'm actually not mad about it or anything. She replied to my story and was talking a bunch of shit about me. And so I, she meant to send my story to somebody else yeah. and talk shit, right? yeah. <laughs> but she accidentally sent it all to me and I like looked at it and I wasn't fast on the screenshot and like she unsent the message and everything. And I saw that and she had a problem with um, something I was doing in the gym. She right. just like didn't like, she thought I was copying her and xyz it doesn't even really matter what she said the point is i thought it was really sad
0: yeah I because
1: agree. you know what i mean i don't take it personally um it. she's always been decent to me in person i don't care i know who she sent it to because i right. kind of did the math backwards whatever all that aside it's really sad because in a niche sport like mine you can't afford to push anybody out no no Need my audience, just like we need your audience to stay engaged. We all need each other. And so I was just like, wow, you know, if I was a little bit more sensitive, I might go as far to say, like, maybe I'm not actually welcome at that lake where she trains with her crew, you know, but I'm not sensitive and I don't really care. (laughs) But I just, you know, thought, like, wow, how sad. Another woman about my age doing the thing I do, a very unique sport at the level I do it at. And really, you're going to talk shit? Yep. You know, you who promote like, you know, female empowerment and girl power and like girls' days at the lake. And so I think that a lot of um, smaller industries, like where everybody knows everybody, so like business, you know, really anything, I think where they struggle a lot is they're not authentic. Listen, if you want to be a savage and you want to talk trash, don't also pretend that you love girls' days at the lake. Yeah. Just admit you're a savage. That's cool. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. Like if you're a savage girl and you want to talk trash on the dock, that is your truth. By all means, like go do it. Good for you. Yeah. I don't think I could talk trash and ski well at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that talented. Well not but, you to
0: know, mention, that's <laughs> Do it. Not to mention, uh, instead of doing that, doing the complete opposite and sending it to everyone and saying, Look at this chick in my division, shit, she's doing some Workout similar to mine, I have some competition. You know what I mean? And making more of a rivalry that's open to everyone. And so that's what my tactic would be if I'm going to do anything, you know, is I'm going to kind of bring someone up with me and get attention on both of us because I know then the hype is real, (laughs) you know, and then we got some attention now. Let's build up some, you know, let's build up both of our followings and they can talk shit all they want, but I'm going to be respectful in the game of competition, you know, as an athlete from one athlete to another. But it's a classic. Go ahead
1: just that, Like, listen, if you think I'm copying you, like, first of all, that didn't even cross my mind. I was kind of just right. doing my own thing. Right. But if you think I'm copying you, okay, I mean, like I said, go do it better then. Yeah. You know, go, go be better than me. Like, yeah. I, And like I said, I say, it's not sarcastic. I say that with zero malice. Like, go be better if you can be better. But don't just like send some shitty little message to, you know, back and forth between like pro skiers. We all know each other. We've all known each other since we were kids. Like, right. come on.
0: How many people do you think would be in your, so how many people's in your, your sphere of athletes, you'd say like, um, at a, let's go world scale and then national scale?
1: So, um, I mean, the world ranking list for women's small, and I think it goes all the way to like 200 or 300 people. Okay. Um, but the people I come into contact with, like regularly at events, I would say they all hang out kind of in like that top 15. You know, those are the ones who tend to travel the most and show up to events because it is pretty expensive to train for an event and then travel to it. You know, just the cost and the time. Yeah, so you've got to be pretty committed, and so it's kind of the same circle of people. I would say they come out of that top fifteen, but I would say there's probably a good eight that show up to everything.
0: Gotcha. And so, yeah, and small. I was, yeah, and not only that, you say such a niche sport that I'm sure the sponsors aren't that broad either. You know, so you really got to yeah. kick ass to get a good sponsorship because I feel like there's only a certain amount of skis made and a certain amount of life best made for this and certain ropes made. You know, this is just going off my common knowledge of water sports. I don't know much, but, you know, I feel like that, that um, not only having a niche market, but also, you know, niche competition, like where you don't know, you know, you got to really kick ass to get some support there. Because, Like you said, the expense of travel, the expense of, you know, all these things, equipment, I'm sure it's not cheap, you know. And, it's just something that you got to be good to get that.
1: Well, and if we flip back to like marketing talk for a second, you know, I think something that my industry, water ski industry, has done kind of wrong for the past ten years is they've gotten very narrow.
0: And it, oh, I can like, totally see skis. that. I can see that from a thousand <laughs> foot view, just looking at it for momentarily prepping to have this conversation with you. I'm like, dude, there's so much opportunity for so many brands here. You know what I mean?
1: Totally. You yeah. know, I'm like. So, like, as a water skier, there are so many brands that touch my life throughout the day yeah. that water skiers haven't thought to work with yet. Yeah. And those brands haven't thought to work with us yet yeah. because obviously there's ski equipment, there's a boat, there's yeah. that's
0: like right. That's, ability, that's right? yeah, super narrow.
1: Yeah, but I mean, there's just so much else. And I'm like, oh my God, there's like so much opportunity. Yeah. Has anybody harnessed it yet? No, but like I said, if everybody keeps doing it better. Mm-hmm and we all collectively get better and pool our audience, there's so much available to
0: us. Yeah, like the fitness, I mean, like health and fitness, like clothes, like clothing wear, like I feel like just a little bit that I've seen, you bring an awareness to that. I mean, that's a whole nother, whole nother demographic that they haven't touched yet, you know, that would be great because you have to be in shape to do what you do.
1: Well, we have to be not be naked. I mean,
0: I'll be right. Oh, yeah, but yeah, you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously like supplements, um, yeah. you know, like protein powders, and there's yeah. fitness clothes, there's yeah. um, like athleisure, you know, just like that more street yep. clothing combination. Hair ties,
0: headbands, I mean, yes. <laughs> you know, whatever. It goes, you can go on and on and on. Like, it's, you know, I just, I love that we're slowly getting a little more open-minded as a society, but there's so, especially these nostalgic sport sports that and i'm not sure i mean it's you know yours is probably just it's slowly grown over the years where it's you know but there's a lot of those areas that just haven't opened their minds to anything yet because they're so you know whether it be the people who've been in the industry forever just not gonna do it or the people Mm -hmm. just like we haven't tried that yet
1: yeah i think there's you know a lot of the people who like are making those decisions right now they are very nostalgic and they're they're either hung up on back in their day or back in like a relative who skied, yeah. you know, their day, whatever it might be, and that's cool because the history of the sport, my sport, is so interesting, and there's a lot of good stories. But unfortunately, those stories only have meaning to a very small population of people.
0: Right. Well, you know, <laughs> give me this one. Give me a really short, quick story because we're not—we don't have too much time left. Um, something game-changing for you <clears throat> during the process of what you've been doing as far as an athlete. That can relate to everyone across the board.
1: You know, I get asked that question a lot, like what was kind of the most important moment in your career thus far? Yeah. And um, to this day, it still is. Three years ago when I decided I didn't want to be a pro-trick skier anymore because I wasn't going to learn flips. I was bad at flips. I don't like doing flips. I'm a little bit tall to be a trick skier, and I wanted to be a slalom skier. My coach said to me, you know, you are – You're a trick skier, but you're in a slalom skier's body. We can make a slalom skier out of you. He said, You know, but here's the deal it's gonna be really, really hard work, and absolutely nobody can do it for you. But he goes, You're smart enough, and you're strong enough, and I know you have the work ethic that out of everybody I know right now, you could get really good at this game really, really fast. But he's like, You're gonna have to put in the work, and I can't do it for you. And something about that, That sounds really intimidating, but when he said that, I was like, oh my God, this is so easy. Mm -hmm. You're just saying if I just do the right things repeatedly and always show up and always put in the work and don't complain, there is a result to be had. And he was totally right. You know, That's his job as a coach is to be right. But that was a big moment for me is because he basically said all the bullshit and excuses that everybody has made for you or the reasons that they've said you can't do it it's really pretty black and white. It's all right there. It's just, it's there for the taking. You're just going to have to put in the work and it is going to be a lot
0: of work. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's absolutely right across the board. Now, is trick skiing um, a more large scale sport than slalom?
1: No, actually, slalom is probably the bigger event in terms of okay. participation.
0: Okay. So um, you took a chance, you took a gamble and um, yeah. made that choice and said, okay, I'm going to do it. So that's, I mean, that speaks volume.
1: Yeah, you know, I only have about three. No, I would say two years of um, professional slalom experience under my belt, whereas most of the girls I ski against have about 20 because they've been doing it since the beginning. So I'm on the dock with girls who are younger than me but have decades of experience over me. And um, it's a weird dynamic because I feel like so, you know, so new. But at the same time, I'm so fascinated by it because it's also new to me. Whereas I could see some of them, yeah. like, on I can see the burnout. I can see the boredom yeah. you've been here yeah. before, you know? So, um, once again, I think the way my life ended up and the way everything aligned, it's to my advantage again, because I'm absolutely fascinated with this new event that I've chosen to take on.
0: That's awesome. What would you say were some of the most common questions you get asked for people who aren't familiar with it? Um,
1: how fast are you going?
0: I knew that was, I knew that was one, but I wanted to see if you, okay.
1: Yeah, how fast are you going? Um, People usually ask me to quantify how strong am I, um, which Hilltop, well, you know, that was a cool pro event because they were able to gauge how much downward pressure we were holding behind the boat. Yeah. So I think I maxed out at like a little over 600 pounds. Nice. So I can't squat 600 pounds. (laughs) I I don't know. Yeah. so yeah, definitely how fast am I going? Um, how fast, fast are you time typically time?
0: typically going if you're you know, like full like in the middle of everything doing you know your 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 shit
1: <laughs> <laughs> um in the in the middle of the back and forth yeah. I'm moving between like 60 to 80 miles an hour.
0: That's fast yeah. on water.
1: It is anyone, fast. Anyone it doesn't anyone who's, fast
0: yes. Anyone who's never <laughs> went that fast, when you're going like 30 on water, it feels like you're going 70 on you know on land. So anyone who's not not only that, and then two feet on one ski is insane to me. I mean, I can't. There's no way.
1: No, I, I, do, I say that it doesn't feel fast because I do it day in and day out. Right. But also, when you crash, you realize how fast it is.
0: Yeah, the water gets harder, the faster you go.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like concrete at that point.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Well, uh, what would you say, before we wrap up, I'd say, um, is there what would you say, anything, like any message you want to give to anyone who maybe... Um, you know, on the, on the line of making a decision to jump into something they're not possibly not comfortable with, um, or, you know, just anyone that's facing any adversity on a daily basis?
1: You know, I think the thing is, first of all, if you're hesitating on a decision, you know, in your gut what you want to do. You just want somebody to either talk you into it or talk you out of it or whatever it might be. So first of all, you know, what way you want things to go. Um, It's like when you flip a coin, you know what I mean? Secretly in your head, you're hoping for one or the other. So first of all, trust what you know, and then be willing to learn the skills. Like I said, it all comes back to that confidence conversation. If you're not confident in something, it's probably just because there's a skill set you haven't educated yourself on. So go surround yourself with people who either have it or are willing to teach it to you or you know, Google is a magical machine. You can learn just about anything, <laughs> <Yeah. these days. laughs> right? You know, go do your research first, go get your feet wet and then come back to your decision. But you already know it's, it's, it's not really a question of how do I sit and analyze this better? You know, all yeah. my options, you already know what you want. Flip yeah. a coin. You'll find out real fast what you want to do.
0: I completely agree. I think, like, you you know, that moment where you go to a friend and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this or trying this or complaining about something. When you open your mouth about that, that's exactly the decision you want to make. You're just, you know, looking for a bit of affirmation to back you up because you may not be as confident, you know.
1: Mm -hmm. What I tell people is, you know you better than anybody else. Of course. I tell that to everybody. So I just joined a new gym and I told, you know, it's a CrossFit gym and there's a lot of negative stigma around CrossFit and that you're going to get hurt and um well I you told know I
0: said, yeah I, I love where you're going with this because i can complete it i have a detached pec tendon from from the game oh my know. god yeah so but <laughs> you, you know that okay i know now that i can't snatch and i can't you know do certain things yeah. anymore but doesn't mean i still can't go in there and do a wad you know i just have to work around that
1: yeah i, I told him i said and i didn't know how this was going to go over right because i just met this guy i was right. like listen water skiing will always be more important mm-hmm. i know my body better than you do I'm not doing anything I don't want to do. Right. And he was like, awesome, let's do it. And I was like, okay, cool. And because the truth is, I do know my body better than anybody else. I mean, I'm totally open to help and I'm open to getting better. Same goes for what's going on between my ears. I know my you know, emotions, my mental thought patterns, um, my thought process better than anybody. Should I really be going to other people for affirmation on my decisions? No, you know? You know you better than anybody, so do what's right for you. You already know the answer. I know me better than anybody. I've gotten pretty decent at making good decisions for myself. It only yeah. makes sense. Yeah.
0: Well, that's good to hear. Um, and I, like I said, I couldn't agree more. Is there anything, that before we wrap up, first off, I always give my guests gifts. I have you something. I'm going to inbox you uh, your email, so just DM me your email. And I'm going to send it to you um, just to thank you for coming on. And also, is there anything you want to plug before we wrap up? You have anything going um, on? You can tune in on or your social medias or whatever.
1: Yeah, you know um, September 11th and 12th, the um, Malibu Open in Charleston, South Carolina. If you're in the area, it's it's in Johns Lake, which is just outside of or Johns Island, Johns Island, um, just outside of um, Charleston. Um, it's going to be a really great event. We've got you know both world record holders are competing um and a lot of the, you know really phenomenal pros there's a lot of pro skiers unfortunately who are in their respective home country right now because of yeah. travel bans um but there's some who elected to stay here so that's going to be a really cool event it's a friday and it's a saturday um it's going to be a four round so they're going to ski us to death and you know there's a head-to-head at the end the last two will hunger games style battle it out for awesome. one and two <laughs>
0: awesome and where can they see that anywhere is it televised or it's going to be live anywhere on social media or anything?
1: Yeah, there will be a live webcast. Um, the link will be, um, I'll post it like on my Instagram. My Instagram is at Elizabeth Montavon, M O N T A V O N. I'll have the webcast posted there. It'll float around social media and then on the, um, the webpage for Malibu Open Festival. Awesome.
0: Well, I learned a lot today. I hope everyone else did. And I, you know, I like your attitude and hopefully we can stay connected and do some stuff together. But um, I want to thank you again for coming on.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to meet you. Great to talk to you. Um, I hope we do this again sometime.
0: For sure. Everyone, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks.